0: Welcome to The Vanderpoint. Please join your hosts Jessica Vanderkoy and Rachel Pointer as they challenge each other and have critical conversations about disrupting and dismantling the systems that fuel human trafficking.
1: What I was thinking about is I get so often get wrapped up in this idea of fuck all these systems and the, Mm -hmm. uh, huge amount of exploitation that exists and like the trauma and the pain and the suffering. And, um, I can get really macro and just, uh, drown in the reality of our existence in this world. Mm -hmm. And then have to remind myself that, um, Humans are so creative and imaginative and beautiful that we have the ability to build and create. Maybe not in my generation, we're not going to see this exactly, but there is so much that we can create that will actually fix these things and that will actually get to um bottom of some of this exploitation and this violence that exists and uh it's good for me to remember that solutions exist in ways that are so much more creative than they can exist right now in capitalism Mm
0: -hmm. in
1: patriarchy in Mm -hmm. white supremacy right Mm -hmm. they might not be able to exist in these spaces but Think about the hundreds of empty buildings that exist across this country that could be turned into beautiful homes for people or beautiful community spaces or the ways in which that we can, oh my gosh, I can't wait till we destroy golf courses. Man, (laughs) the amount of space for people Mm -hmm. and open space that we could create with golf courses, man, I can't wait. You know what I mean, and I think about some of that <laughs> to remind myself that, like, okay, um, we uh, humanity has the capacity for so much more mm-hmm. than what we have created and what we're existing under right now. And white men have only <laughs> have only ruled civilization for like a couple hundred years. It's such a small blip in the history of humanity. Mm -hmm. Right? Transness has been divine for centuries upon Mm -hmm. centuries before white Christian men decided that it wasn't.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm.
1: Community care and communal living and caring for people in a way that isn't um, white supremacist in nature and isn't capitalistic and individualistic in nature existed for hundreds of years, right? Centuries before we created this system. And we can get back to that. Mm-hmm. Or not back to it, but create a new version, right? Create something that's different that existed before colonization.
2: I love that. You I too. Kind of, I feel almost a little misty um, uh, honestly, um, mm-hmm. because I do think people lose a sense of hope. Um, and that burnoutness where it's like, Oh my God, these systems are so jacked up. Mm-hmm. I want a nomad land and I want to just, just exit and, and not be a part of it. I don't want to contribute to it. I don't want to add mm-hmm. to it. I don't have the energy to change it. Yeah, uh, And it feels impossible, but I love what you just said. Um, And I'm not going to say it as well. So you should say it again about um, (laughs) trans lives and trans bodies and trans spirits being divine. Yeah. Until until white Christian men decided it wasn't. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, when I came into my gender and, and came into understanding who I am as a person, I did lots of research on human civilization, you know, prior to colonization and prior to chattel slavery mm-hmm. um prior to the expansion of christianity and when you look at it that way you recognize you see gender variance gender nonconformity mm-hmm. um the the fluidity of sexuality and the ex- expansion of gender expression and whatever we have decided as masculine and feminine, right? (laughs) The expansion of those things and the existence of people beyond these confines that we've created now and these boxes that we've created now and how fucking beautiful to be able to exist in those spaces and how disgusting for white men to see that and call it barbaric. And we all win in that situation. Mm -hmm. The men who hate themselves for the small bits of femininity that they experience. The fact that the highest percentage of gun violence in the United States is men killing themselves. Mm -hmm. Patriarchy fucks us all. Mm -hmm. White men get a lot from it but yeah let's not play like nobody gets anything out of it but right right there's no winner (laughs) there's advantages absolutely Mm
0: -hmm. but nobody
1: wins Mm -hmm. if you were to think about so I'm
2: kind of curious in like first steps one foot in front of the other whether it's the way that you look at a problem whether it's the way that you interact with somebody if We have people like energized from this conversation who are like, Mm -hmm. yes, let's tear it down. Let's dismantle it. I know how to do that. I know where to push buttons. I know where to take out bricks from foundations. And so things can actually topple, right? That process. Mm -hmm. But then there's people who are like, you know, tirelessly working directly with individuals wanting to do that side by side kind of service. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you even start on this? Um, cause I think this conversation makes people uncomfortable, but I also think it overwhelms them that it's not that I don't want to be a part of it is I don't know how to be a part of it. I don't know which bricks to take out. I don't, I don't know how to interact, you know? So mm. how, where do you start and, um, whether it's small interactions with clients or the way you start your day or, you know,
1: how does that go? I think starting with yourself, right? Starting with what can you do to educate yourself a bit more? I think it can be really small things. Watch things on Netflix that contain people who don't look like you and who don't have experiences that you have. Read things, listen to things, fill your social media with uh, abolitionist activists with people who have views that make you feel uncomfortable and not in the way that are um, like racist Fox News parents, right? Not that way, uncomfortable on the other extreme, which is why I bring up abolition. Take the people that are in your life, like me, the coworkers that you have who are loud about this, especially the white ones, ask them to have conversations with you, right? And continue, it's okay to fuck up and say the wrong thing. I think that especially as white people, we have to understand that we're going to fuck up. There is no way in which we do any form of anti-racist work or anti-exploitation work or anti-capitalist work without messing up because it's embedded in who we are as white people to perpetuate white supremacy, white supremacy, Mm -hmm. because it benefits us, even if we don't want it to, or we don't understand the ways that it does. But How can you, on a day-to-day basis, recognize the ways in which you benefit from white supremacy? Mm -hmm. And it's really, it can be really little things, or it can be really big things. Like knowing as a white person that I can talk about um, racism and white privilege in my workplace, and I know that I'm not going to get tone policed. And I don't get tone policed for that. Whereas I see my black coworkers doing it, and they get tone policed all the time. So taking on that labor, but I think it's it's so much more about building your own self awareness and your own education, and dismantling the things that you were taught in elementary school about what the United States is about what we have done and who we are as a society. And something that one, uh, um, a white man said to, to me in a space that I was really surprised in was that as white people, we, we always see ourselves as heroes. We see ourselves as heroes of our own story, of course, but we always see ourselves as heroes in every space that we're in. In movies, in TV shows, in books, in uh, news coverage, right? in police officers, in firefighters. We see white people as heroes. Police officers are not heroes, but we get it, right? In our society, we see them as heroes. We have to dismantle the idea that we are heroes Mm -hmm. in every space. But there's also not a moral superiority to be a white person doing anti-racist work. And that is something that I think... I have had to dismantle my own um, idea that I'm a hero as a white person talking about anti-racism and white supremacy. That is in and of itself a bunch of bullshit.
2: Amen.
1: So it starts from within.
2: Yeah, if we create a community with a whole bunch of members who have dismantled their own internal understanding of who they are in the space and what power they, they should or could have or don't have, and that you end up creating a community that sort of dismantles these things on its own when you come together that way, that sort of personal wellness. I appreciate that. I and then
1: important. I think you find a spaces in which you're passionate about and remember that you can't take on every single slice of the pie, right? We cannot take on. this is, um, I'm preaching to myself more than anybody else. That is listening, right? That you can't take on the transphobia, the homophobia, the sexism, the racism, the capitalism, the imperialism, you know, you cannot take every single issue, the climate crisis and environmental, like we cannot take on every single piece. You have to take something that you're really passionate about and work towards that issue so that you don't get so bogged down and overwhelmed by every single crisis and every single act of um, violence and oppression Mm. because it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're really into sports, awesome. Be really into sports. Talk to your guy friends about transphobia in sports because I might be a trans person, but I don't want to talk about transphobia in sports I don't have anything to contribute. I don't care about sports. (laughs) And the number of people who ask me about like all these bills about trans folks and and sports, I'm like, I don't care. But there are people who really care about sports and you can find intersections, you know, in anything that you're passionate about to fight for these, uh, to fight for folks who are part of impacted communities. Find whatever that is for you, and then work on that within yourself and within your community. It doesn't have to be everything. I'll never talk about sports bills and trans people. I don't care. <laughs> Let trans people play sports. That's the like basis of an <laughs> argument that I have. I don't know. I don't get it. (laughs) People think I should have like a well-formulated argument about this. And I have no, I have none. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's a well-formulated argument is like, let trans people be people,
1: right? Like (laughs) trans folks want to play sports. Okay. Let's do that like end of story I want to ask did that answer your question however I think that that is the same kind of question that I yes. called myself out for <laughs> uh, if it didn't
0: answer our question this is the moment where we're like yeah so let's circle back Right. <laughs> like what other things are just like bubbling boiling up there
1: because I can see there's other things like I've been thinking a lot about the difference between um, representation and exploitation.
2: Mm, talk more right? about
1: that. I'm having a hard time within uh, these systems that are so capitalistic in nature, um, finding a a lane in which my voice is heard, but I'm not being exploited.
0: Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So
1: especially in my work environment specifically. So if this podcast were a space in which I thought my voice was just going to be used as representation versus actually being listened to and and heard in all of its nuances and then I wouldn't be on this podcast, right? right? So this is a space in which I'm like, okay, I'm not being exploited. This is something I am choosing to do. My voice will be heard and it will be taken seriously, right? There has to be a sp- a line in our nonprofit work, especially when we're talking about using survivors, survivors' voices, like this idea of using survivors' voices feels so isolating to me. Like, it's not just about their voice. It's about their experiences, their thoughts, their ideas, their expertise, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care if their voice is in the room. If nobody fucking listens, if nobody changes the way that we operate at all, then who cares if I'm sitting at the table? It doesn't matter. It's just exhausting me. Mm -hmm. And it's just a labor for me or for survivors, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking about that a lot. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I want our nonprofits to think about that. How do we walk that line? Or why do we make people walk that line? Yeah. And why how do we move why one? have we created that line? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Why does that line exist? Mm. How do we move from representation that is exploitive
2: mm-hmm. to
1: valuing valuing the contributions of folks from impacted communities?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because the things I say as a white person carry more weight than the things I say as a trans person. And that will forever be a part of my existence. Mm -hmm. And so why bring black folks to the table if the weight of what they have to say doesn't carry the same weight as white people? Mm -hmm. Why bring trans folks to the table? Why bring survivors to the table? Again, it's performativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then guess what you're doing? You're setting them up to continue to be exploited. Yeah, 100%. Because you're not modeling a healthy relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they go work for nonprofits where they get exploited for their fucking trauma. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a,
0: it's a, it's a. Because really they want to help cycle. people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you're supposed to do, right? Like you're supposed to take your, your uh, trauma and your pain and those things that you know give you passion and go work somewhere where your your right. emotional labor and experience is
1: exploited your existence right. is exploited well don't you want to give back to the system and the people who saved you from your exploitation right and and don't you want to save the next girl too think about that homeless trans kid right right yes like i'm yes. not constantly fucking thinking about it thank you it, right.
2: Yes. And if your damn system wasn't in the way, we wouldn't be in the situation in the first Mm -hmm. place. So why don't you go think about your little hierarchy design here and and (laughs) how this works. If, you know, if we want to talk about where the problem is. Right. Uh, Right.
1: Um, Yeah. Please don't cry to me about the homophobia in your life. If I have to listen to another superior of mine in a work environment tell me about all the gay people they know and about how sad it is that their family members are homophobic. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Like what, why are you putting that drama on me? What are we doing? Why are we doing that? I can't imagine how we're interacting
0: mm-hmm. with
1: the people we're serving. Mm-hmm. If that's how you're interacting with me.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. We do. I mean, we do that to our coworkers who are black and Brown too. Right? All the like, time. Oh, and we bring up all these things that, like, mm-hmm. it's so sad for us.
2: Well, again, to center our, our part point. of the yeah. story, right?
0: center, center my sadness and pain. And yes,
2: <laughs> okay, I
1: have to go. Okay, I will talk to you later.
2: All right,
0: <laughs> thanks, Thank Aubrey. You. You're awesome. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for witnessing today's conversation on the Vanderpoint. Jessica and Rachel hope you will join them next time as they continue engaging in this critical work.